Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 32, Act 2, Lucy Wallace, What Can't Be Lost, recorded August 26th, 2019, in Denver, Colorado. So damn tired of waiting on a perfect A plus B. The one size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hey, hey, TA community. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our global community. Help us spread the word and tell a friend or a colleague to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we now have a pod shop. Go to teachingartistry.org slash pod shop and buy yourself a tank a tea, a mug, a hoodie, or a tote bag. Also, watch all 30 episodes of the video series that ran between April and June 2020 called Keep Making Art, which was in partnership with Creative Generation. Subscribe to the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body YouTube channel and stay tuned for a new video series coming soon. On July 17th, 2020, the representative from Georgia, John Lewis, passed away. He was a civil rights activist uh, who worked with Martin Luther King Jr. as a young man and got into politics as a way to impact policy changes from inside the government. To me, John Lewis always seemed very hopeful and optimistic, even in dark times. And he said things like, get into good trouble. The U.S. is in a pivotal moment in our history, a moment where we need to be explicitly investigating, interrogating, and acting to impact racial justice. The moment is dark, but in thinking about John Lewis, I'm going to also remain hopeful. This podcast helps me to stay um, true to who I am. I've said it before that I am, uh, I have many roles. And uh, as a podcast host, um, what I learn here through the interviews with guests and panel discussions impacts how I view the world, how I view the work that I do um, in my organization. And I've shared my own journey with you, which has led me to learn um, different, uh, learn more about different art disciplines that are not inherently mine or 
that I'm not trained in and approaches to working with various communities that I also don't work in. Uh, And I will continue to share my journey as I raise my consciousness in anti-racist and intersectional feminist practices. I just want to note that in preparing for this interview, I found myself examining it from this place that we are in now. And oddly, the the, the uh, conversations that I captured in 2019 almost feel like they are from a different era. So I love to travel. I have the privilege of being able to travel uh, quite frequently and I miss traveling. The last trip I took pre-COVID was to Florida for the artist retreat. But since mid-March, I haven't traveled too far outside of a one-mile radius of my home. My legs are my most used mode of transport. Um, I will say that in 2019, I had the privilege to travel out of state and internationally over a dozen times for both work and for pleasure. Um, in 2019, I traveled to Colorado Springs, Colorado for the first time. And I went there for a wedding of a close colleague and friend. And I reconnected with Lucy Wallace, founder of Dance to Be Free in Boulder, Colorado. This is an interview with Lucy. (laughs) Uh, I went to middle school and high school with her in my hometown of Port Washington, Long Island. Just a little background that in 1971, before I was born, my father moved the family to Port, or P-dubs, as it's affectionately called, from Chicago when he got a teaching position in the math department at Manhasset High School. And Port Washington sits adjacent adjacent to the town of of Manhasset. Dance to be Free is an organization that uses trauma-informed practices through the healing power of dance to impact women in prisons. In this interview, we learn about this work and Lucy's journey. Another note, I, well, in the short time that we were together, which was about an hour, uh, I didn't ask Lucy much about racial injustice within the prison industrial complex. However, she does allude to it as she shares her experiences working with the women in this program. I hadn't seen Lucy for decades, (laughs) but she was just as I remembered her. I always thought that she was a delightful person and was so, so very happy that she graciously opened her home to me for this interview. Here is episode 32, act two, Lucy Wallace, what can't be lost. Hi, Lucy. Hello, Courtney. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing pretty well. What a beautiful day. Ah, right. Here we are. Boulder, Colorado. I have never been to Colorado, period. This is my first visit. And wow. Wow. It's beautiful. It's dramatic. It's dramatic. That is for sure. Yeah. And uh, hi. Yeah. Right. Do you feel the 5280? <laughs> I feel the 5280. I'm a sea level girl. Yeah. And um, this is a lot. This is yeah. a lot. I didn't, I didn't, people talk about it. People yeah. talk about the altitude, but you don't understand until you're here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been like touch and go all the whole time that I've been here. I've only been here for three days. So yeah, <laughs> I guess that's, 
It's a big adjustment. It's a big adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you lived here? Since 1996. Oh, since we graduated from college? 20. That's when I graduated. 23. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I graduated from, I went to Ohio University to become a dance major, dropped out, and took a year off, and then went to Naropa University here in Boulder. Gotcha. So I finished my bachelor's here, Mm -hmm. stayed, got married, divorced, grad school, and never left. And what did you study in grad school? Psychology. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And was it the same school? or Mm -hmm. I actually went to Naropa again. Mm -hmm. Very alternative. It's a Buddhist school. Mm. So it's all about contemplative education, but they really do focus on the body in terms of psychology, Mm. which is definitely a part of Dance to be Free in terms of how is pain and trauma in the body versus just cognitive behavioral therapy. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned Dance to be Free. Um, Yes. Can you tell us what the mission is? Yes. Dance to be Free's mission is to share the healing power of dance with women in prison nationwide. Nationwide. Nationwide, man. We're in 14, 13, technically. Washington's not anymore in our fold. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, <laughs> we've been to 14. Mm-hmm. We've been to nine states. But I would say we're really active in 13 prisons and eight states. And how did Dance to Be Free get started? So I was running a dance studio in Boulder. And I just finished grad school. I bought the studio. was struggling to make it thrive because it's like how do you make an empty room thrive Mm. (laughs) in boulder with heavy rent you know it's just Mm. like oh my god so at the time i'm sitting at the desk it's kind of a funny story and my boyfriend said what if you made this studio into a nonprofit?" and i was just like i have no idea what nonprofits are about i don't know how to fundraise or have a board of directors i don't even understand the structure Mm And then my friend came into the studio maybe two minutes later, randomly for a different meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran the idea by her. And she said, well, what if you had a nonprofit wing off of the studio? And she just was like, what if you dance with women in prison? That was it. Seriously? That is the story. That's amazing. Because <laughs> I have no history mm. of being in prison myself. Mm-hmm. I have no friend or family. Mm-hmm. I'd never been to a prison. Mm. And I... I think it's really where art affects life and Mm -hmm. life affects art. But I had been watching Orange is the New Black Mm -hmm. and I could visualize that they had a gym. Mm -hmm. I was like, they have a space where that little kooky girl does the yoga. That's right. And I thought, thought to myself, (laughs) oh my God, if they do yoga, they have room. Like Mm -hmm. I could actually see it. Mm. And and in a way, you know, prison in my mind, I'd say before Dance to Be Free was um, men. And I hadn't really thought about women in prison. Mm. And I really feel like Jen G. Cohen put women in prison on the map in this bizarre That's way. Really interesting. It's so interesting. And, and Piper Kerman, obviously that book was amazing. Her mm. memoir was so freaking fabulous and she continues to do such great work. But, mm-hmm. um, and I actually thought that show was pretty inaccurate. And now that I've been all over the country, I thought that show was just a little over the top sometimes, but I've talked to some women in prison. They're like, or who are now out. Mm. They said it, it's about 80% accurate, oh, wow. which shocked me. Wow. Uh, especially the season with the hostage situation. But anyway, right. that visual came into my brain 
And I thought, oh my God, what population could use this more than a sedentary group with trauma? Mm-hmm. And so I just knew from my background. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people at the studio, I always remember this woman would joke. She's like, this, these dance classes keep me out of prison. I mean, there's a way in which wow. dancing is so healing and mm. I don't see it as exercise. I see it as so holistic. And so I, I just, um, I had this flash of yes and absolutely why not. And I can be like an obsessive doubting what will go wrong type of thinker. Mm-hmm. But there was none of that. There was no noise internally of like, oh, well, what about that's going to go wrong? <laughs> I just knew. I'm like, yes. And then Elizabeth Gilbert, I love and adore, talks about creativity and it's in the air looking for a vessel to come through. Mm. And I really see that. Like, I feel like the idea was just kind of hovering and I said yes. And it could have just kept going. I could have been like, well, that's wow. a good idea. I mean, it's like she like, pl- your friend like plucked it out, yes. put it in and there yes. you were. And then you were like, yes. Yes. And she had nonprofit experience oh. and she was older. She had a uh, degree in education. So she was a teacher. So we actually worked really well together. Mm. And we um, eventually parted ways, but we worked for about a year and a half together so well where I was just like I bring the dance, I bring the curriculum, mm-hmm. I bring the therapeutic background, and she brought the nonprofit experience. We formed a board. I called some CPA in Texas, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll get your uh, status." He got my five hundred one c three status in a month. Wow, which is unheard of. Yeah, which I don't understand what happened. I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> any of it. I don't either. Still, I've, I've worked in nonprofit. <laughs> for almost 20 years and still don't understand a thing i know and i that's why i tell people i'm like i don't know what i'm doing i never have i still don't and i'm running a nonprofit. i feel like that's just the world like nobody knows what they're yeah. doing and yet look things are happening look right and that that humility is so key yeah. for this endeavor mm-hmm. um so i got the 501c3 status started a website with a friend's help bought a video camera did a Kickstarter, mm. bought the video camera, and then filmed myself teaching in Boulder at the studio I was running mm-hmm. and thought, oh, I'll just give them DVDs because I was too scared to go in because I had all sorts of thoughts. Well, well if you have no experience, yeah, right? This is, yeah. I think this is a logical first step. Yeah. DVDs. DVDs. <laughs> so I get trained. Well, first of all, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know where to start. I had no idea there was a prison not that far from here. Mm. It's like 40 minutes right outside of Denver in Aurora. And I don't know how long it took for me to find that prison or who to call. I'm like, who are you going to call? <laughs> no idea. Finally, I got this captain, Captain Schwaga. And I, I just remember that phone call saying, can I teach dance at your facility? He said, well, become a volunteer. And then in the volunteer Mm. training, I was in this little church basement with all these faith-based programs. So Mm. the volunteer director said, everyone go around and introduce yourself and who you're here with. And I was just the only by far movement based anything Mm. everyone was like AA, god behind bars fellowship ministry it was just Mm. jesus god jesus jesus and then i'm like dance be free (laughs) (laughs) so everything's so surreal about this journey so i told the guy i said i yeah i'm gonna um bring dvds and he said why don't you go in person (laughs) (laughs) and then 
the most intimidating part was the training in which I got a tour of the facility. Mm. So I, that meeting with that guy who said, why don't you go in person was like a PowerPoint for six hours about how you might get manipulated and how you have to be consistent, mm. only use your first name or last name, only shake hands, don't hug, mm -hmm. what to wear, all sorts of um, reminders mm -hmm. and guidelines. But there really was an emphasis on like, you will be probably manipulated at some point, keep your boundaries strong. And I have not had a problem with that. Mm. And I, I probably share way too much with them in terms of um, my personal life because it's such a deep well, yeah. program. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be a robot. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I had to go to a tour at Denver Women's Correctional Facility in 2015 where I just walked around the prison for an hour with the rest of the trainees. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty intimidating because it was just like barbed wire, just all um, razor wire. They always call it barbed wire. <laughs> it's really I didn't know there's a difference. I don't know. Barbed wire is like for cattle. <laughs> oh, oh. Razor wire is like that. It's got those it's snags. And, yeah. Oh, it's so. Intense. They look like ties, right? Like they're longer. Yeah, it's got. Um, oh, it almost looks like a bow. Very intense. Yeah. And some maximum security prisons have way more. It will just be rows and rows and rows. And so this prison's huge. It's mm -hmm. a thousand women. It's mm -hmm. maximum. And I was just like. What do I do? Do I smile? Do I make eye contact? Right. Do are the women gonna just be like, "What is this girl doing here?" Right. I just thought all sorts of stories. Yeah. I didn't like. Do I put my hands in my pockets? <laughs> so awkward. And then after a while, I'm like, I feel like I'm at a high school where everyone's wearing the same color. Mm. You know, they wear green and uh, sunflower yellow <laughs> in Denver, and the red and the orange. You know is about um, if you've gotten into trouble. Right. Oh. Which I didn't know. I thought everyone wore orange, but they don't. That's when you arrive or you've been written up. And so you stand out in the crowd of like, ooh, that person, that prison wow. shouldn't be there. Oh. So most prisons wear like beige or um, white or... Uh, Gray or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no one really wearing orange. So mm -hmm. that was interesting. And then... Uh, the women were super smiley and friendly. And I, I was like, what, where am I? This does not feel like prison, mm -hmm. super clean. Mm -hmm. I thought I was gonna like have weird smells and be like, I had all sorts of stories, yeah, well, you yeah, know, yeah. from Hollywood mm -hmm. and all sorts of weird perceptions. And then I'm like, okay, let's do this. So then maybe two months later, I did my first dance class, July 1st, 2015. And I um, walked into the gym and there's like big Broncos logos on the walls and like Tigger and <laughs> weird cartoon paintings all over the gym. Oh. <laughs> and then just um, maybe eight women were just waiting for class to start. And I put some music on to, you know, set the mood. So I put Depeche Mode on. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> really going back to the 80s. <laughs> and this woman, Michelle's one of my favorites. She's like, that's my jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> and then I, they said to each other, like, dance be free. It's at two o'clock. And I'm like, oh, my God, they know the name. And then I just started dancing. I just said, hey, ladies, we're here to not get this right. Don't worry about the moves. And um, I put Lord on. 
and it's a slow song with some lyrics that weren't maybe totally appropriate that I didn't think through because she says over and over I want to kill it with you and I'm like oh my god did not Mm. think this one (laughs) and I start moving to the right and this woman who looked like Samoan and I had heard she was a lifer from the tour I was on Mm. she said kind of under her breath but I heard it she said oh this is spiritual and I was like how does she know (laughs) that what we're doing here is deeper than exercise we're not here to just burn calories Mm -hmm. that's not the agenda at all but I don't talk about that because I don't want to get on a soapbox right and so I just thought that's so interesting she got the deeper mission and then the lieutenant wrote me and said that was amazing when can you come back so I went every Sunday to Mm -hmm. Denver Women's Correctional Facility for maybe six months. Can, can I take a step back yeah. for a second? So how, how, when you started to volunteer, how did they know that this event was happening? Like, did you have a flyer? Did you have, like, did you have to do recruitment? How did they know the class was mm, happening? Yeah. Yeah. I gave them, I emailed them flyers okay. and then the rec director put the flyers up and then whoever um, wanted to take Just it. Just shows up, can show yeah. up. And it's, it's, so it's not a like only certain, like only, uh, women who uh, are not in the orange suit, for example, like yes. it, it, so they're allowed. But it was open. It was anybody could have just come. That has the privilege. That has the privilege. Okay. And so that could mean. Um, so I, a big eye opener. I thought that you would be in units with the crimes you committed. That was yeah. a shocker. They're like, no, you could have someone who's a lifer mm-hmm. or someone who's in there for murder mm-hmm. standing next to someone who's getting out next week. Right because of their behavior so i like that so it's, the, it's because of their behavior in prison yeah i see so if they've been well behaved mm. for i think i want to say 90 days they can attend programming mm. but if they've had a write-up they won't okay. be able to so they just had these eight women um self-selected i think and so i um the class grew and it, it would fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And then we thought, why don't we do a teacher training and teach them how to teach? Okay. So this is yeah, where I'm most big, interested in. Yeah. So I want to pause you there, yes, but don't let me forget because sometimes yeah. I say things like, I want to get back to that. And then yes. we never do, no <laughs> but worries. I do actually want to get back yes. to that. Um, but I guess what I want to, I want to understand like what, what was happening when you were not in the prison when Mm -hmm. you were not in session, meaning what you, so you come, you come for your first one, you've got eight, these eight women. Mm -hmm. One of them really gets that this is more than just exercise. Mm -hmm. And there's some, you know, revelations that are happening. So what happens before you go back the second time? Like what's going through your brain? What conversations are you having with your Mm -hmm. colleagues? Mm -hmm. I was just thinking I'm going to dance in Denver once a week. Like I did not Mm -hmm think this would go nationwide right at- right so it, it was just about making this first connection yeah i mean um, i maybe had pueblo on my mind pueblo is two hours south and there's a medium security prison so i thought maybe we could go down there and mm-hmm. teach a one-hour class but that's a huge commitment mm-hmm, for driving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the the original thought was just um let's create a nonprofit. To, you know, it's, it's actually hard to remember if I, did I have the nationwide intention right away? Cause now that I think back, I'm like, how did I have the confidence that this would work? Cause I did not have any reference points at all. Right. And I remember at that Kickstarter, someone asking, 
where do you see this going? And I, I think I did say, I want this to go all over. But I'm amazed <laughs> that, I, that I trusted that instinct because it's really hard. Like mm-hmm. what, what I'm doing is so intense and mm-hmm. so challenging that I, I always joke that my ex-husband called me a pit bull and I, <laughs> really? my determination can be oh. really, my tenacity can be really intense. I see that. I see the tenacity. Which I'm yeah, like, thank yeah. God. Yeah. Cause I could have really given up many times cause there, it, it's an obstacle course I'm on. It's like blockade. no, absolutely not this won't work. it's so completely hard right to get in mm-hmm. and then to have all the the equipment i bring in even filming and then we can get to that later mm-hmm. but it's like so challenging to work within the prison system that when we started i wasn't totally sure i was going to do teacher training so when i think back to those first few months between those sunday sessions i was probably just thinking about um, just continuing those Sundays mm-hmm. and then growing the nonprofit. I had a board, a really small board mm-hmm. and we, I mean, we weren't really fundraising. It was so small. We had, right. you know, and was the studio still going? Yes. And so was that, was that, um, a revenue stream for the nonprofit or was that its own thing? It was its own thing. Okay. So I was living off of that, which yeah, well, <laughs> you can all talk about how we, we work. Oh, working artists. Yeah. So as air hustling, you're that hustling. Right. It. So, um, okay. Okay. So I still want to get back to the teacher training, yes. but before we get there, I just want to, I want to note like, so we grew up in the same town. Yes, we did. <laughs> we haven't seen each other in decades since probably. I feel like there was no, no. I think there was like a, a holiday party at Beth Dorgan's house. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> we were like hanging out and every that like all you know. So we had right. we were like running in different circles that were like adjacent to each other. I would say. Yes. I mean, if you if you have to put the like you said that yeah. prisons was like a high school. So if you put it in that term, yes. <laughs> um, so true. And I always remember thinking from junior high, maybe we were in classes together or so. I don't know, but. I always was like, that Lucy, she's funny and she's so nice, but I didn't know much about your life necessarily. And you know, middle school, you're like sort of absorbed in your own world. But, um, but you just told me before, before we started recording that you had been dancing since you were eight. Mm -hmm. And so what style, uh, to go back to dance be free, but like what style of dances are you, a dance are you trained in? And then what are you, what kind of dances are you bringing into this program? Yeah. So, uh, eight years old, I started with ballet mm-hmm. and I stuck with that all through high school. And then in high school, did you, did you learn in, in port? Yeah. There was oh. a little school right near, um, main street. It was called North shore ballet right near the so fire the department. Train station? Yeah. Ish. It, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, by the fire station where like, um, right off of main street. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Not far from um, Carlton. It was yeah. like right near Main Street in the library. Mm-hmm. And my sister went there because mm. she was pigeon toed. <laughs> I was pigeon toed. Oh my god! Yeah, and I went to another. I went to a ballet class, but it was over closer to the to the train, train station, station and like on Mac, not Mackey, but one of those one of those roads oh, over interesting. there. Interesting. And I took it for a summer when I was five. 
Oh, to help with the pigeon toe? I don't know. I just wanted situation. to. I wanted to be a ballerina oh, very, very badly when I was little. So cute. So graceful. So cute. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just followed because my sister was in ballet. So I did ballet. Mm-hmm. And then in um, maybe junior high, I started jazz. And then in high school, I went to like a little fame school on the South Shore of Long Island. What? Mm-hmm. I got out of high school at 1120. What? And went on a small bus. <laughs> To the South Shore. Oh, to, to the like, South I mean, Shore. To, to like Bayshore? Like no. Syosset. Oh. And there were some girls in that situation that were, wow. We're talking classic, you know, the bangs up, the gold jewelry. Yes. Well, it was the 80s. Oh, nine, slash 90s. So, <laughs> yeah. So I was probably I there 90, 90s, yeah. um, 90 to 92. And I, um, I was dancing a ton. So I would go to that school and then mm. I'd come home and dance. Wow. So I danced a lot, but then I went to Ohio. Were you in theater? No. no. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just missed the whole you are a dancer. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again. <laughs> I did some fine. talent shows yeah. in eighth grade yeah. at um, the junior high school where I um, I danced to Prince and stuff. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> That's really beautiful. I was in theater, so I just definitely like. So we just missed each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually am really grateful for the ballet because Mm -hmm. as, as repressed as it is, Mm -hmm. like we never talked about joy or breathing. Right. Or releasing anything. It was so competitive and not really fun, but it's, I think why I'm, I haven't been injured because I'm 45 dancing on concrete in prison and I'm not like I'm I'm hanging in you know and I'm dancing kind of hard and I'm just like you know it's the the ballet that intelligence I think Mm. that really helped that's great then I went to Ohio University and I was a dance major but it was modern Mm. and I wasn't um I wasn't in love with it and I stopped dancing for about a decade in my 20s oh wow like my whole like 20 um I don't know, until I was about 30. And I found this class in Boulder and it was so much fun. And I was just like, this is like the jazz I missed in, mm. in junior high. So this woman trained me how to be a teacher in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started teaching because she got pregnant. She's like, I need someone to sub. And I was filled with self-doubt. I was like, there's no way I could ever do that. I can't lead. I mm. can't count. I was so scared. I was so nervous, so self-critical started teaching in 2007 at the studio I eventually bought in 2010. And so it was like this whole kind of progression. Mm -hmm. And then right before that, I got my master's. And so um, I also like to say that I I took care of elderly people for Mm -hmm. 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it really, I think, prepared me Mm -hmm. for despair because I sat with people as they waited to die. And could laugh with them right and i'm like if i can hang with people who are losing their mind and they would just be like i want to die i mean you know elderly women in their 90s are not super psyched (laughs) about being on the planet and and i still could kind of find joy and i um i didn't try to make it better or um or ignore it it seems yeah yeah, uh, yeah. but that there was joy in the in the mundane there was joy in, in yeah or just pointing it out maybe yeah like, I'm, I'm yeah i'm assuming i don't know yeah no the, yeah. it is the mundane and the mm. kind of um 
in terms of being with people who are in prison for life and I think about, mm. oh my God, talk about waiting to die. I, it's just so... That's surreal, so actually. I mean, so my experience with prisons is, uh, in terms of my background, is very similar. I don't, I know that some, I have had some family members, like distant family members who've been in prison, but I have, I have not associated specifically with them and not, nor have I ever visited any prison. Um, but I do have some colleagues who work, um, in New York who work in Sing Sing and work for an organization that works in Sing Sing and a couple other New York based, um, prisons and bringing all different kinds of performing arts. Mm. But those are class, those are like programs that people have to sign up and I'm sure there's the same, um, you know, guidelines or, or rules around who can participate and there's wait lists and that kind of thing. But the person that I met, I actually had him teach, uh, or lead a session in one of my, um, graduate level classes to talk about his work was himself a person who went through the program and now is managing Mm. the program as somebody who's been out for a while. And so his story is super authentic to talk about what life is like. And he was, he was sentenced to 34 years, but, and I think he did about half of that. Mm. Um, and he was like just so gentle and sweet. And yet Mm. it was like, there was this whole like, um, you know, knowledge that mm-hmm. even if even through words, he was not able to really help us fully mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. And you could feel that, but not that he was holding back necessarily. It was just that mm-hmm. we will never, we won't know because mm-hmm. we won't. You have to go through that kind of experience and or work mm-hmm. in that yeah. world to fully understand or better understand than we could yeah. in a classroom setting. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's profound. And mm-hmm. the, I have such high re- regard for the people who, um, do this work who want to do this work, who mm-hmm. understand how important this work is mm-hmm. and the alumni who come out of that. I'm wondering now to <laughs> get back to the training I got there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, about, you know, how, uh, not just the resonance that is happening for people who are either, you know, going to be in prison for a very long time or not, not necessarily taking those steps forward in terms of being a facilitator, but being able to be, be freed and then have uh, a real understanding of what the transference of the skills that you're gaining by participating, engaging in the arts Mm -hmm. to life Mm -hmm. and life skills, Mm -hmm. career skills, family, you know, bonding skills, those kinds of, yeah important things that are so that are so hard i'm sure um when you get out and the the rate of recidivism i got that word very impressive i learned it from from charles moore (laughs) um recidivism i think the people who go through so this program is called rehabilitation through the arts oh yeah have Mm -hmm. you heard of it Mm -hmm. oh cool Mm -hmm. so and their their rate of recidivism is like seven percent or something for people who go through that program amazing and that's i i don't i can't remember the comparison wow. for the folks who don't go through that in the new york state yeah. prison system but it's much higher yeah i think the national average is 67 oh my god colorado's 50 percent um that's great they have that number because we haven't yeah. been able to track that yet mm-hmm. but yeah um rta re- rehabilitation through the arts yeah. i was trying to get into bedford hills mm. um but it was very challenging mm-hmm. and I let go because I, I were you talking to anybody there? Mm-hmm. Very tricky. And I couldn't mm-hmm. get through the red tape. And mm-hmm. so 
Oh, no, I meant, uh, are you, were you talking to anybody at RTA? Oh, yes. At first oh. I was talking to an awesome guy at RTA named Craig mm-hmm. who was trying to help me get in, but it was the actual prison staff right. that was really tricky. It was okay. just like, oh, that, that time won't work because when I do a teacher training, it's three days in a row for four hours a day. Oh, And so the, the schedule timing. I needed, they said it wouldn't work, but mm-hmm. I'm like, why does that work in 14 other prisons? <laughs> right. Um, so let's, let's go into it. So when, yeah. when was the moment when you, uh, I guess I, I, I want to get back to the teacher training, but I want to understand why, mm-hmm. why the teacher training and what was sort of the, again, I guess the goals or the mission of, you know, I, I sort of have a thought, but I want to mm-hmm. know for sure rather than assume. Yeah. So why, why go into this new sort of, tier I guess of, yeah. of teacher training within you're training people who are in prison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that came about in January of 2016 as I mean a couple reasons it was um so they can self-sustain the program mm. and then we could go to other prisons that's great but then it's also because it's so powerful to learn how to teach like whether you do or not the experience of getting up in front of your peers using your voice, leading people through movement, regardless of the outcome is so healing. And so I just knew that they would benefit like the, the benefits were already happening of their dancing and their, but leadership is so key mm-hmm. with a population that's probably never been given the chance to like lead. Right. You're empowering. Them. Yeah. So, um, teaching them how to fish and they're teaching each other how to fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so easy in a way it's so effortless in this amazing the formula i joke i'm like i think we cracked the code (laughs) (laughs) i had these women in prison say that back to me they're like do you remember when you say you think you cracked the code and i'm just like it's so i don't have to Mm -hmm. preach i don't have to convince i don't have to lecture Mm -hmm. i go in and say okay i want you to speak from your gut and I mean, deep breathing exercises and writing and sharing. It's not just movement. Like Mm -hmm. we have circle time. We have um, journal prompts, like eight pages of, you know, what was your life before? What was your life like before you got here? How has dance helped you with fear, anger, and sadness? Like deep questions. And then they share them with each other in community. So they're going through like healing, leadership skills, Mm -hmm. community building in the teacher training itself. And so they just kind of melt and thaw. Like I always think of as trauma as static and frozen in time Mm. in the body. And then the body is just healing without talking about their trauma, Mm -hmm. which can be re-traumatizing to actually go back and say, you know, what happened when 82% of women were abused before Mm -hmm. they even get to prison? That's a huge Yeah, 82%. And then they arrive in a traumatizing environment where they don't move. Mm-hmm. A- and in some prisons in the South, they are in barracks style, like warehouses, and they have lights on all night. And um, I would think I would lose my mind for, for one. And then they're, so they're not going crazy. I don't know how. And just the noise, imagine like the chaos of yeah. just like, Exposed shower heads, exposed toilets, lights on 24-7, horrible food, no rec time. And that's not every prison. There are mm-hmm. prisons like um, Pueblo 
and um, Nebraska that are really high functioning, but that's a whole nother tangent. So basically the teacher training idea was um, in Denver women's was the first experiment. We had five women sign up because that's all we could work with without a correctional officer present. So we were alone with them. Wow. And that was a little edgy yeah. because some of them had done some serious stuff that I was naive about mm-hmm. when I started. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everyone's a non-violent drug offender. <laughs> That's what I told myself. <laughs> little wrong, little wrong there. Mm-hmm. But um, this is a maximum facility. So there mm-hmm. are some people who are in there for murder. But at that point, I knew that. And I was I was fine with it. Like I knew they had trauma and I trauma shows up in horrific ways. Like it's the vampire's bite. It just keeps getting passed on and passed Mm -hmm. on. And so I really see, um, a lot of the women we've met, there's like a state of blackout when they've committed their crime. Like they kind of see red or they see, they literally blackout or they were so high Mm. on meth is usually the one. Mm So anyway, the five we worked with were, um, had been there a long time already, like 10 years and they were so sweet and they started just opening up. Like, Mm. so that's when it just went even deeper. The circle time became so profound and Mm. they would say things like, God brought you to me because he knew I was ready or my family can die in peace now. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I never saw this coming. Mm -hmm. And so then I had been going down to Pueblo. There's a medium security women's prison. By that point, I had made some um, connections there. And so I did a teacher training in 2016 in Pueblo. And I was so nervous because I didn't have the rapport right. and history. So this is still in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Pueblo, okay. Yeah, Pueblo. Wanna, so we're still state. Still just Colorado. And, and like, is it is it close? Is it in the same county or is it another county? It's two and a half hours south okay. in a different county. Um so is that past Colorado Springs? Yeah. I look at me, I'm learning. Yeah. I just came from there. It's about <laughs> so an hour and a half south of Colorado Springs. Okay. okay. So it's a drive. So it's a drive. That's like three three or so hours for you. Yeah. Okay. It's um yeah, five hundred women and um I had taught maybe two times before, just a one hour class and right. went back. And so I knew a couple faces. I had maybe fifteen women signed up. Mm-hmm. And I was just nervous. I'm like, I don't know these women. And they were so sweet and so grateful and playful. And it, it just like the depth continued. And at that point I had already made some connections with the prison in Nebraska. Mm. And I remember telling the women in Pueblo, I'm like, I'm so nervous to go to Nebraska. I don't know them even more. And they, they said, don't be afraid. They're going to love you. And then we expanded to, a prison outside of Lincoln and they were so nice and so sweet. And that is the pattern that continues. Mm. Every time I go, I'm like, Oh no, this is scary. Like going to Arkansas, little Mm. intimidating. Yeah. (laughs) Going to the deep South Mm -hmm. as a blonde white woman. Mm. I'm like, how's this going to go? So nice. So welcoming. And then I went to Hawaii. I went to a prison in Hawaii. Okay. And I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it was awesome. So, <laughs> so, but how, how are you building the infrastructure to be able yeah. to continue to expand in this way? Uh, and, and are you having any conversations 
with like wardens or or some sort of like upper tier mm-hmm. um you know prison staff about mm-hmm. this what mm-hmm. this is or like or is it like wardens are talking to each other like how what's happening yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you yeah, yeah it's a great question yeah. so basically i um it's kind of a funny story i'll make it quick i'm in i'm at a conference in mm-hmm. lincoln nebraska for nonprofits, mm-hmm. and i went up to a booth just because he had a bowl of candy and I saw milk duds and I was just like, I want some of those milk duds. And so just to be polite, I said, what do you do? Cause I didn't really care. I just wanted the duds. Mm-hmm. And I, and he had like a booth, you know, with mm-hmm. logos and I didn't pay attention. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm here because I hire um, prisoners to make woodwork and furnishings or something. And I'm like, Whoa, I work at, with women in prison and he's like, oh, let me give you the warden's number and name for the only women's prison in Nebraska. And at this point, all I knew was Colorado. All I knew was the lieutenant or the rec director. I never met a warden. Mm. I thought wardens were in an ivory tower, unreachable, never given a number. And I still have never met the wardens at either Colorado prison. Oh. And I don't know what that's about. Mm. Um but anyway, I go to Nebraska, or so so I call the warden, mm. and I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I have her number. And then she said, oh, sure, look, here's the rec director's number. She was just super natural, welcoming. So I just called the rec director and started to explain our program. She didn't understand it. It does take some time to mm. be like, this is what we do. This is how mm-hmm. we do it. I ship DVDs before I get there and say, can you get your population dancing before I arrive? Give them some of just the background, the history, the website. And then, um, and then a woman came, um, reached out to me through a psychic, (laughs) such a Boulder story, (laughs) but a psychic in Boulder said Mm -hmm. to this woman, Catherine, you need to reach out to Lucy. Catherine called me. She's like, can we have coffee? She said, I love what you're doing. I would love to help you expand to Arkansas. Wow. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I just felt good vibes. (laughs) So she's been the biggest resource. She's still on my team. Mm -hmm. She um, was on the board. Now she just helps um, with everything. So she's from Little Rock. So she went on her own time and dime to three prisons in Arkansas on our behalf and built all these relationships for us. Whoa. In Fayetteville, West Memphis, Arkansas, and Little Rock. So I started to expand to Arkansas. And then she spoke at a conference where directors saw her speak in Florida and Virginia. So then we started to get calls from prison staff Mm -hmm. saying, could you bring your program here? But mostly I reach out and just say, here's what we're doing. We're at the point where we don't really need that many new facilities and none of them pay us, which I like to highlight. Oh, Mm -hmm. so how it was. It's very hard. So I fundraise through individual donors. Wow. I've, we've received one grant in four years for $5,000. Are you kidding? I am not. Just denied two grants. So painful. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. It's very, very frustrating. And it's because maybe a theory is that we're all over the country and so many are like locally driven. Like we're right. going to help Nebraska. We're going to help Arkansas. Right. So what happened was I spoke at a conference in 2016 this woman in the audience said you have to meet my father and he's been an incredible help and just him alone Mm. over three years has given us like 75,000 wow which is not 
so hungry, which is <laughs> a lot in three years, but right. still like, um, uh, yeah. So the fundraising, I always joke, like dancing with some hardcore women is so much easier than this stuff of mm -hmm. dealing with a board, dealing with personalities, right. dealing with fundraising, dealing with grants, mm -hmm. um, or just even you know, people I've hired, it's hard. And so I, yeah. the nonprofit aspect mm. of it, like the admin, the executive directorness. Yes. I've heard this. Uh, I've heard this from many, many of a, a person who has developed their own 503. Yes. And it, it is incredibly challenging, especially when that person is more on the creative or artistic side and having to have all this responsibility is really challenging. I don't envy you. It's sorry. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so, I like because like I the know, work right? that you're doing is so important yes. and um, but yeah, this part is yeah. is effing hard. It's so effing hard, and it's like I'm wearing every hat. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like driving to the prison, and then sharing a hotel room with two volunteers, and doing the social media and the newsletters, mm -hmm. and then trying to help write a grant, and then trying to expand the program and then getting a lot of feedback. What have I not asked that you'd oh, like to share? Um, 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 um uh, maybe just a little bit more I could say about um, trauma and the brain. Yes, please. Because it's so, it's so in depth in terms of the research that's been done right. on, um, there's this really awesome guy named Bruce Perry and he was interviewed by Oprah on 60 minutes specifically about, rhythm and repetition mm. as helping trauma and i was like oh my god he actually has something called the six r's so mm -hmm. it's like rhythm repetition respect relevance um all these factors that help with and i realized we hit on everyone because i was just like i'm meeting them at their level i'm bringing in music that is current there's no sense of like i'm bringing ballet into prison right and then there's um such an equality because we're i i am on their level and then there's that rhythm and repetition that he has found gets to the primitive part of the brain that mm. holds trauma Whereas like the reasoning part is what's usually impaired from earlyhood childhood trauma. So if you've had sexual abuse, physical abuse, if, if you've had uninterrupted abuse, your brain is going to be impaired. Mm -hmm. And so what I hear so many people saying, like even wardens, just like, you know, ladies, we know you've made some bad decisions or some stupid decisions. I'm like, just rewind that and mm -hmm. think about, why is their decision-making process impaired? And then the emotional part of the brain is also impaired because the primitive brain was like on high alert. Mm -hmm. Like where's danger, where's danger, where's danger? Mm -hmm. So all that stress and cortisol is just going through the system. And so they're just literally brain damaged. And so to, mm. to know more about the brain and movement, and, and he also said it could be drumming, it could be anything rhythmic, it could be... Um, singing like so that's again why the arts are so important and so mm -hmm. it, it can be perceived as just like oh this feels good and isn't it fun and it's just something positive for mm -hmm. people to pass the time i'm like no this is actually getting at some serious core wounding and then the results are just incredible where the mm -hmm. women are just like i loved myself for the first time or i cried the first time i started moving in the gym i'm like oh my god yeah, it's just heartbreaking um, testimonial after testimonial. 
no matter what state I'm in, whether I'm in Hawaii mm. or Florida, and then they write poetry and they share the poetry with their, ah, uh, it's just, uh, have, you had, have, you, have you had any family members reach out to you from women who you've worked with? I, on Facebook occasionally I'll get like, I, or the women when they get out mm. will be like, you saved my life. And again, whether they teach or not. Mm. And what I find is, a lot of them are not going to go on to teach, but what happened is their self-esteem was so lifted because of the healing that went on that there could be all the job readiness focusing, like in a lot of prison programming, mm -hmm. it's like resume building, entrepreneurial skills. I'm like, but if you have this unaddressed trauma fueling the nervous right. system, it's going to show up. And so I just see it so dovetailed with preparing them for job searching mm -hmm. beautiful so you know how that, you have that moment where you're like is it recording oh, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> it, is. it is everything's fine <laughs> oh that heart drop oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no um, i mean I, I feel like that i was just at a set i was just at a conference or a pre-conference yeah, I, I live in the theater world so much mm -hmm. that, I mean, I do some, I have some touchstones to dance, but it's not my particular uh, training. But um, we we have teaching artists that at the New Victory, we have teaching artists who are, you know, represent a lot of different kinds of art forms, including dancers. And we ended up working with um, a person named Dr. Um, Sean Jinwright, mm -hmm. and he's out of the University of San, uh, San Francisco. And he focuses on radical healing mm -hmm. and he has this uh, another kind of framework with those that um, don't necessarily fall on those like uh, the R's that you were mm -hmm. describing. He's been sort of our touchstone for how do we work with young people. The whole theory is about, you know, if there's a if there's a trauma, you go down to survival mode and maybe with resources, you get back to where you started. Mm -hmm. But his whole thing is like, how can we get to this place of thriving? Mm -hmm. Um, and that radical healing is a part of that and building some um, tools for dealing with social toxicity. Um, and it's not necessarily about people in prisons, but it could be applicable mm -hmm. to anybody with trauma. Um, and so we're still we're still in the process as, a, as an organization of trying to figure out how do we take, you know, this larger knowledge and incorporate it into our work, mm -hmm. um, regardless of whether we're working in schools or, or with families. But, um, you know, we we are a place where we are looking for people to come to us. So working in prisons is just not a place that makes sense for us or hasn't historically, you know, who knows in the future, but it's, 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 again, I just find it so um, powerful mm -hmm. and meaningful. What did I say when we walked in? Tremendous. Tremendous. It's tremendous. It, it really is. is. And I, so I, I guess where I was going with all of that was to say like, you don't necessarily do, like we don't do this work because we're like, and then we'll have this great story out of it. But mm -hmm. the kind of impact that you could have through the work that you know, like I would love for you to come and talk to my teaching artists actually, totally. because the, tr this, the way you're describing trauma is not the way that I've heard it. And I haven't done the proper research or, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've done some research, mm -hmm. research, but I haven't, um, learned that. So I'll definitely look into sure. what Bruce, was his name again? Dr. Bruce Perry. Dr. Bruce Perry. He's really cool. He's yeah. out of Tennessee. Um, there's also a really good book called the body keeps the score by mm. Bessel van der Kolk. And he has, um, researched mostly yoga with trauma, but mm. I, I see it's so similar. Um, 
the thing about dance versus yoga though is there's so much freedom and expression yeah. and kind of um, non-linear control and mm-hmm. so um and the music the fact that we're dancing to such cathartic music right. and that the choreography is cathartic and so and that they make their own dance piece so when i go in for the teacher training on day two the women start to choreograph their own routine together and then that's their facility's song and then i'll take it to other prisons and film the other prisons dancing stop i know i know that's <gasps> oh my god so when <clears throat> cnn filmed in pueblo i took tennessee's choreography to Pueblo and the women danced Tennessee's movements to Beyonce. I saw, I saw some of that video. Somebody was like doing it on Facebook live Did or something. I and I saw some of that. I loved. And it's such a fun oh, song man. of hers. Cause it's not well known. It's yeah. called running. Mm-hmm. And I found it cause I completely am obsessed and watch every Everything. Instagram post. Everything. I, it's like, I watch all her fans Instagram posts and I found it buried, buried, buried. And I was like, what is this song? Cause it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. her classic crazy in love or right, whatever. Right. And it's so good. Mm. It's so emotional. And her voice shakes and the women do like a shaking. It, it is so beyond me. And then the fact that Pueblo did it, I was like, and then I'll tell them, I'll say, ladies, this was choreographed by Hawaii. And I'll be like, Hawaii, this was choreographed by Arkansas. So they're all dancing each other's movements. That's a- what I know, <laughs> I can't. I know, and I can't even either. I don't even know what's happening. I feel like I just, my brain is exploding. I'm like, because I wouldn't have seen that, you know, four, four years ago when I danced in that gym in Denver. I wouldn't have been like, you know what. <laughs> Tennessee's gonna like it's so mm. just happening but it sounds like you what you've been doing has been about um well being very present where you are and responding and saying yes yeah and then like you said the pitbull like just having the tenacity to like follow through yes because you know like you said it, this is hard oh and it, people somebody would have given up seriously the rec director point, in right? Hawaii made fun of me he's like you were so persistent <laughs> and i first of all i had an agenda because we go to the most sad towns and areas oh, of the sure. country that i'm like i need a break when i go to a prison at some point i want it to be somewhere nice yeah. and then i go to hawaii and of course it's like the worst prison we've been to in the country Whoa. falling apart you know like not their fault i like to point out because it's not they have no funding so you know like stray cats and smashed bulbs and I'm like okay this oh, is boy. so different but they were beautiful like the rec director talked about the word he used to describe the pri- prison as like puhuhu or something it's like some sanctuary like he was a very cool guy Whoa. very interesting staff there and we want to go back but it's so expensive right to go so 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 you need a grant we need a little uh, help in Honolulu. So, okay, so okay, I know we haven't run out of time, but now I have like twenty more questions. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, but okay, two things I want to I want to ask. Um, one is about like what what has this been like? What are some takeaways from for you um, while you're still on this journey? So you know, for the last four years, one. Mm-hmm. Let's just do that. Okay. And then, yeah. Takeaways like for me personally. For, for you personally, like how has yeah. this been uh, impacting your life? Yeah. And your thoughts and yeah, relationships, etc. It would. Um, I would say, 
I'm trying to work on a memoir because there's so many things that I'm like, yeah. don't forget this moment. This is so magical. Yeah. And I, my working title is I'd rather be in prison, which I <laughs> could be construed in a lot of ways because I know prison is no, nothing to romanticize. But what I'm finding is these women are so much more real than those of us who have our supposed freedom. And I find they are wise beyond belief wherever I go. And I'm thinking, how is this keeping on happening? Where mm. I'm like, you're blowing my mind, you're blowing my mind. And then what I'm thinking, my theory, and I love Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you know Glennon Doyle. She's a really cool author. She said um, when she went to AA, she felt like she finally found her people because they had lost everything and they were in touch with what can't be lost. And that is what I'm seeing in prison, that these women are, they've like hit the ultimate rock bottom. I mean, some have lost their family, won't talk to them anymore. They're in like a super morbid environment. And then they're still vibrant and sparkling eyes and I'm like like there's a woman in Arkansas named Ronita Bell and she's gorgeous inside and out and I'm like you have been here for 20 years how do you still have like the indomitable spirit is shining through over and over so I'm just like who's in prison first of all <laughs> I think I'm in a way more imprisoned by my mind than these mm. And so I'm just learning from them. Like I really just, like, <laughs> I just want to like um, burst into tears. Your face is awesome. Oh and I God. love the just stop. <laughs> I, can't. I can't. I know, and I feel over and over like mm -hmm. I, like last weekend I'm in Nebraska's prison, and this woman, beautiful, humble, kind, crying, was like, "I was raped at three. And I'm, so there's just, there's that horror that I don't even know what to do with. So I, in a way I, I have some defenses up that are just like, I'm not letting that in. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to movement. Thank God. Cause if I took it all on, no, I, there's just no way I couldn't do this no. work. So there's a little, um, I've got some defense mechanisms. Um, and I actually think some of my deficiencies are serving me, which is a really interesting. interesting. So looking at your deficiencies <laughs> as asset bearing. They're assets. Assets. Yes. Like I can be a little like, mm. and isn't that, that's a, that's you freeing yourself. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Free your mind. <laughs> right. So yeah. personally it's affecting oh. me on so many levels. Oh, and yeah. then my ex-boyfriend got so, he was so moved by it. He was just like, I, he would cry every time I'd come home from prison. I'd tell him, I'm like, and then this happened and that happened. Right. And he'd just be like, Ugh. and then he got involved in the, the program. He mm. started to film and then that became extremely complicated and we broke up. But mm. I'm like, it affects everyone around me. Mm -hmm. People are just like, oh my God, how can I get involved? And um, I mean, my parents are so supportive. Everyone, everyone I know. I mean, I anytime I see it on the Facebook, yes. I I'm always like, what is this? I love it. I love everything about it. I'm so excited for mm. the listeners to hear about this. I'm yeah. just curious if um you have any, I don't know, I don't know if advice is exactly what I'm looking for, but any any sort of words of wisdom, yeah. tips, 
um, you know, of, of either working in prison or working with people with trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would say advice for the prison, like logistics is so, oh my God, it's so hard. Um, it's just tenacity, like communication with a, um, a system that is so complicated and designed not really to succeed. So there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many pieces there of like, in a way I feel like it's intentional. This was designed. It's not broken. The system's not broken. It was designed this way for people to fail, but I, I am meeting very cool staff. Like they really care and they want us to come back, but the actual logistics of getting a response or getting a, um, just an email back, a phone call, like so many of them don't have voicemail. I have to just keep calling Whoa. and then d- can't get, um, like just even having CNN and the logistics of getting that approved. It was like, (laughs) and I just warned them like, this is a complex system. It's going to take some time. Um, So that sort of just be prepared for an obstacle course that is just like, that won't work. Or, you know, you can't wear that color. You can't bring that device in. You can't do that. You can't, there's so many rules. Mm. It's extremely hard. And um, that's just the beast. Mm. Um, and then for trauma, for me, like, I don't think I've burned out because I'm moving the whole time I'm in there. Mm. So I don't know really how to give advice. If I went into work with a population that was heavily traumatized and I wasn't moving and breathing and music and laughter, I, it might get stuck in my body. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just movement when Mm -hmm. you leave, Mm -hmm. um, or bring whatever the art form is that you're bringing I'm, I'm sorry yeah. i'm thinking about artists so yeah um but like whatever you bring you have um incorporate breathing incorporate yes. movement and ritual yes it sounds like because that was one, yes. probably one of the r's um yes that might have been yeah one. which we've talked a lot about so yes uh sorry I meant that's a good music. guess yeah ritual so that's i think that's really really yeah. helpful we just do like deep inhales mm-hmm. deep exhales all the way i do a mm-hmm. lion's breath exercise which is from yoga and it's mm-hmm. just um, there could just even be stretching, you know, stretch breaks mm-hmm. and, um, and just not, you know, one woman I met who's doing pr- uh, work in prison, it's all talk, um, relating verbally. And she had the women visualize a police officer. And I was like, I would not do that. Mm. Um, so, you know, re-traumatizing is such a risk. Right. And so I don't say share share what happened or share um but but again the movement solves so much mm-hmm. of what we're doing that but when, in in yeah. terms of your journal writing right yeah. and I, I mean there we talk a lot about um your story is your own story you know if you want to be a brave sharer that is your choice yes um and if you end up sharing any pieces of it it's not you you need permission from somebody else to tell any part of their story mm-hmm. or to, you, you create that parameter of like your story is your own and whatever you're comfortable with sharing um if it if, if it is verbal or mm-hmm. if it is something that we want to utilize to tell story or bring story to life yes. or something like that that it's really about you're the curator yeah so that there's empowerment there as opposed to well oh he you know she had this yeah. thing i'm gonna take that you know yeah 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 um so we, that, the yes. honoring somebody else's story and letting them be yeah, the holder and the sharer of that as they wish. Yes. 
it's so mm. it's so powerful to have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm. Like the brain wants that mm-hmm. with storytelling. So that's so great you're doing that because, like the three, the woman who said I was raped at three. I'm like, oh my god, like that could have potentially sent her into yeah. some state. But um, she just cried and shared more about her mm-hmm. life. But I would say, um, yeah, I would I would just say some sort of movement is just so helpful in terms of digesting and metabolizing trauma. And so like I could even send you some I would love that dance links. Yeah. Or or the women dancing. That's even better. Just see them dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, if there are any other resources that that you think would be helpful for somebody who's interested in this kind of work, um you know, yeah. you mentioned quite a few. Yeah. Um, I mean, those two researchers mm-hmm. are super powerful. Great. Gabor Mate is a really awesome guy who has done a lot of research with addiction. He's based out of Vancouver. It's G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E. I love him. Peter um, Gregory Boyle. Do you know um, Homeboy Industries? He's amazing. He works with formerly incarcerated and gang involved, mostly men in LA. He's so incredible. Mm-hmm. He's a great resource. So yeah, there's some peeps out there. Lucy. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Courtney. Oh my God. <laughs> this is amazing. If you haven't already, check out. Please check out our CNN yeah, exposure. To get more, more visuals, more yes. understanding of this work and its impact. Yes. It will be a 10 minute piece on Pueblo. Four prisoners were interviewed and then they came to Boulder. It's a whole thing. Oh my goodness. I know. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I so appreciate you taking the time. (laughs) So great. It was nice to catch up a little bit. You (laughs) too. Thanks so much. Do you have any last words that you want to say? Oh, just thanks for hearing my story. Thank you for listening to episode 32, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Lucy Wallace, What Can't Be Lost. Join us next time for a conversation with Ted Saad. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the brand new pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry, the gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and enjoy the hashtag keep making art video series. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now.